Hey, this is John Nettles, and this is the Roots of Revelation podcast, the podcast where we dive into the scripture behind the scripture of Revelation. Hey, welcome back to episode 10 of the Roots of Revelation podcast, and uh, kind of a milestone today, right? Um, it's it's the 10th episode. It's out of single digits. It's a, um, is that a milestone? I don't know, but it kind of kind of feels cool. We're out of single digits. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I know I am. Uh, so even if it's just selfishly, just for me, I enjoy doing it. And, uh, I know it's forced me to study a lot more, uh, in depth than I ever have. So, uh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe it can be the same for you. Maybe, maybe as you hear me, you can check me to see if I'm right or not. Cause I'm there's probably stuff I'm wrong about. And because uh, again, I said, I'm, I'm not a trained scholar. I'm just a guy that's reading revelation, which you have access to. So, uh, to as well. So, uh, I encourage you to always go back and double check me, uh, as we talk about these things, but I hope you're enjoying it. And, um, as we get into episode 10, uh, I want to stop because today, and I realize that podcasts can kind of be evergreen content. So you might be listening to this weeks, months, or years later from when I'm recording this. But today, just for reference sake, is February 10th of 2023. And just the other day, uh, an earthquake, a huge 7.8 magnitude earthquake, uh, really just about leveled part of uh, eastern Turkey and uh, western northwestern Syria. And just for reference sake, that's a very important part of of biblical history. And for instance, the Christians were first called Christians at Antioch. And that's pretty much right on the border between Syria and Turkey, right where the epicenter of that earthquake happened. And a lot of damage was done there. This, this earthquake has claimed 20,000 lives and so far and 80,000 were injured. So just an enormous, uh, tragedy. Uh, but you know, it's important to what we're studying because basically Turkey, modern Turkey is all is where revelation occurred basically. So, um, anyway, I, w- I wanted to stop and acknowledge that that was a huge, hugely important thing. And, uh, I hope that you will be in prayer for the people of Turkey and in Syria there. And just, there's just, uh, and it's awful. But on to today's episode, which is Philadelphia. I'll call it Philadelphia Patient Endurance. And Philadelphia is kind of an interesting thing to study because Philadelphia and Smyrna are the only two churches out of the seven churches that Jesus gave all positives and no negative comments about. So here is the main thing that I want us to ask in this episode. Can we remain faithful to the gospel in the midst of persecution and and not deny the name of Christ, no matter what happens? Because that's what they did. That's what that's what Philadelphia did. So let's talk about Philadelphia, because I always like to give this a, a little bit of background on on the city that we're talking about. Okay, so so it feels real because it was real. Um, they were like all the other churches we talk about uh, in what was Asia minor then Anatolia it's modern Turkey and they're on the Western side of it. They're not on the coast like Ephesus was, uh, they're, they're in 
the coastal region, I guess, but they're further away from the coast. But um, they're the city name, and you probably know this already because uh, we our own Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love, that the name means the city of him who loves his brother. And the ancient Philadelphia was founded in 189 B.C., and is still in existence in modern Turkey today and is known as Alasahir, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, which I'm probably not. Um, now, here's the, the, the city, as we're talking about, that the, they just went through an earthquake in Turkey this week. The city was badly damaged by an earthquake in AD 17 and received some help from the Roman Empire to recover from it. And the reason, and they, they've suffered from earthquakes ever since and still do today, obviously. And and the reason is because uh, Turkey and Syria sit on the Anatolian fault system, which is where the uh, African, Anatolian, Arabian, and Eurasian tectonic plates all come together and grind against each other and um, and create mountain ranges and earthquakes. So... Um, has more earthquakes than other places. You might think of something, something similar like, uh, California with the San Andreas fault. They have a lot of earthquakes out there, as you know. So in revelation chapter three, verses seven through 13, not, not a very large number of verses here, seven through 13. I'm going to talk about this for like 30 minutes, right? How am I going to do that? Well, it's actually, um, there's a lot to talk about. Every single word of this seems to mean something, but let's kind of just keep walking through it. So the good of what's going on here is that they had, Jesus said they had little power, but were faithful and had not denied the name of Jesus. The bad is nothing. As I mentioned, nothing, nothing bad, which is great. Uh, What he, what he tells them is to hold fast to what you have. Basically saying, you guys are doing great. You just need to keep it up because, you know, I know what you're doing is hard. And uh, he, he says, you, you have little power, but you're, you know, keep on keeping on. And the encouragement he gives them is that they would be made pillars in the temple of God. And the names of Jesus, the Father, and the new Jerusalem would be written upon them. So one one thing I read uh mentioned that it's possible and and this is just that person's interpretation that it's possible that because of all the earthquake trouble they've had that it's ironic and maybe on purpose that it was said that the people would be made pillars eternal pillars uh, that would stand eternally in the presence of god um, meaning they the pillars wouldn't be toppled over they'd be eternally uh, upright um as opposed to what's what happens when you have an earthquake, maybe that's stretching it. Something I read, thought it was kind of interesting. May not, may may be correct, and may may not be. I don't know. But they they were promised. Uh, uh, there's a couple things that are important here. They are promised um, that they would be rewarded, and so when you get a reward, you'd like to know that the person can carry it out. Okay. So what he does, Jesus says in Revelation 3, 7, he starts off by describing himself as the Holy One, the True One, 
the one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. Okay, so what's the key of David? Well, in ancient times, obviously it was harder to communicate and travel than it is today. We think of uh, hearing news instantly over the internet. They might have not heard word of things happening in foreign countries or far away for months or a year. So you had to have people, if you if you had a realm, you had to be able to distribute some authority to delegate some authority to people you trusted to carry it out. And uh, the Kings in Israel did that. And it would be similar today for somebody to have a power of attorney. You're literally speaking for the King. Okay. So, and you have the power to carry out and it, what, what happens stands. Uh, it's like the person did it themselves. And we see an instance of this in the old Testament where God the Father uh, is talking to, um, or one of the Godhead, let's just say that, but uh, is talking to Isaiah, giving an an oracle to share and um, a vision to share. And he says in Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. So an obvious tie-in that we're getting here from Revelation chapter 3-7 is, is obviously referencing Isaiah twenty two twenty two. And Jesus said similar things to this in Matthew sixteen nineteen when he's giving his uh, disciples authority. As a... I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he's telling this to the uh, the disciples who would later become apostles. Uh, he gives it specifically to them. But then in Matthew 18, 18, he expands that out to all Christians. And he says in eighteen eighteen, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So on to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, when he's talking about he has the key of David, he's basically saying, I have been given authority by the Father to the ultimate authority over granting or denying entrance into the kingdom of God. So he has the power and authority to give them an open door. And an open door is exactly what he promises them next in verse 8. So let's go on to that. Moving on from the key of David to an open door. So sometimes in Scripture, an open door meant a big opportunity. Uh, For instance, Paul made references to open doors of opportunity in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 9, when he's talking about Ephesus. And he mentioned uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, and talking about Troas. And again, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, he's, he mentions several times, these three times, about doors of opportunity that have been opened from, by God for him to be able to have an effective ministry 
in sharing the gospel. So, and I've even heard of a church. If you've ever heard of the, uh, the Bible project, which, uh, I personally, I, I like those guys. I think they make the Bible understandable to, to people in a, in a pretty cool way. Um, the Bible project might want to check that out. Um, one of the guys there has, is part of a church called the open door. And I think it's because of that same reason, but side issue, you could see another interpretation for the open door here because in just a few verses over, we're going to be into chapter four and in verse one, just again, just a couple verses away from this, there is a door standing open in heaven from which we could, we get insight into what it's like to be uh, in the presence of God himself in his temple and how awesome and majestic that is. So, you know, it may be since we're just literally verses away, sometimes the simplest answer is the right one. Maybe Jesus is saying, I'm going to grant you an open door into the, into heaven itself and be in the presence of God. Okay, so another thing that Jesus promises these Christians in Philadelphia uh, is that he would give them vindication before um, the people that are persecuting them, the people that are slandering them. So there were, there, we've mentioned Roman persecution, pagan persecution, and some other episodes, and that's certainly there. Um, there were also Jewish leaders and zealots who were persecuting Christians, just like um, think about when Jesus went in for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the people, the Jewish people there gave him a hero's welcome. Like they recognize he's the Messiah. They're, they're very excited. He's there. It's the Jewish leaders and uh, people in authority that had decided he had to be crucified. So um, I think about another situation where, um, there were converts to Judaism from Judaism to, to uh, Christianity who were being pursued from city to city by Saul of Tarsus. And then Jesus, um, confronted him on the road to Damascus where he was going to put people in prison and said, why Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So, uh, Paul, uh, he became Paul, uh, and he later became one of the greatest leaders of Christianity that wrote basically wrote half the new Testament, but he started out persecuting the church. And so I think these are the people that Jesus is referring to. when he says they are a synagogue of Satan. So I want to be very clear about something, cause, you know, since this is being recorded and everything, uh, cause we're in the age of cancel culture, right? I don't want anybody to misunderstand what, what, Revelation, uh, my interpretation of re- what Revelation is saying or what I'm saying. So I want to be very clear that in my understanding, this is not in any way an anti-Semitic statement because Jesus was Jewish. His mom was Jewish. All the apostles he chose were Jewish. And I don't think this is even about Jews that just chose not to convert and stayed, you know, stayed on with Judaism. I don't think it's about them either. I think it's specific to the Jews who are actively persecuting the church. And 
many of these people, like Paul, believed they were acting rightly and defending God's name against heretics, but they were just so very wrong because this is the kingdom of God at hand. They just don't understand what what they're persecuting against in many times. So, you know, Jesus gave Paul, he didn't strike Paul, Saul dead on the road to Damascus. He showed him the truth. And what he, what he tells the Christians in Philadelphia is that he would humble these persecutors, but he doesn't say he'll strike them dead or anything like that. He just says, I will make them realize that I love you. So what he's telling the church at Philadelphia is that I understand you're going through persecution and I'm going to vindicate you from the slander that's been leveled at you. And I am going to show these people and the rest of the world that I love you. So it's not in any way an anti-Semitic statement. Again, Jesus is Jewish. Everybody he chose first was Jewish. He took the gospel to the Jews first. Uh, very, very strongly pro pro Jewish, but he's also very strongly pro Christians at the city of Philadelphia that have been suffering persecution. And he's telling them I'm on your side and part of being on their side and to show them favor is that he tells them something I, I honestly don't totally understand. I'm going to be honest with that. But he says, because of their patient endurance, uh, he would keep them from the hour of trial that was coming on the whole world. Now, the hour of trial is probably an episode all by itself. And really, I'm just honestly, I'm just not informed enough to speak on it in detail right now. So I'm not uh, olaying that. I guess maybe I am actually. Maybe I'm dodging that. But I'm just, I'm not ready to come out with a detailed description of what the hour trial is. But from what I understand about it could be wrong. Go study it yourself as I say always, but at some point God's wrath would be poured out in a more intense way than it, than it was even then or ever had been. And that those who overcome by patiently enduring would be shielded uh, not from persecution because he tells them you're going to, there's persecutions coming your way. Think about what he tells uh, Smyrna a couple episodes back. You're doing great, but you're going to suffer persecution. That's not what he's saying. He's going to be, they're going to be shielded from, but there's going to be a point where God's wrath is poured out. That's different from persecution and a whole lot worse. Um, they, they might suffer persecution, but they would not, they would be protected from God's wrath. Now, in some episode, if I do later on talk about the hour of trial, we're probably going to start getting into stuff like the, you know, is it the premillennialists or the postmillennialists that are right or whatever? And I'm just not, honestly, I'm just not versed enough to carry that discussion right now. So I'm not dodging it, but I'm, it's just kind of above my pay grade right now, if you want to be honest about it. So let's just say for right now, that what Jesus is saying is whenever the hour of trial does come and however that does come out, uh, they wouldn't be protected from persecution, but they would be shielded in some way from God's wrath. And after they overcome and are, are conquerors because they just, you know, 
they overcome persecution, uh, that they would be made pillars in the temple of God. And I talked about this a while ago, unlike the buildings that shaken by earthquakes uh, in ancient times and even today, these pillars would stand for all eternity in the presence of God as holy in his holy temple. And they would, uh, they would be bearing the name of Jesus, the father and the new Jerusalem forever. So they'd be complete eternally and continually, continually in the presence of God. All right. So let's, let's do the key takeaway, kind of a wrap up for what we talked about today. Um, I would say this, Jesus commended the church in Philadelphia for their, their faithfulness, their, uh, patient endurance is the way he described it in the midst of persecution. And, uh, he, he encouraged them to keep going, stay at it. And he promised to reward them. And he showed them that he has the authority to reward them, uh, with eternal life, with him, with the father, uh, in the temple of God, in the new Jerusalem for all eternity. So, so look, as we think about how this applies to us, you know, we may be doing all the right stuff and it's just still hard. I mean, these people, even though just, just like, uh, Smyrna, they're doing all the right stuff, but life is still hard. They're still being persecuted. You may be doing all the right stuff in your life. Think about this. Sometimes that doesn't mean that you're outside of the will of God. It just means you're within the will of God and Satan doesn't like it. And I think about when, um, when Jesus walked on the water, he told the disciples to get in the boat and go out to the lake by themselves. He knew he was sending them out into a storm. Those guys rode all the way out to the middle of the lake and they thought, what has Jesus sent us into? What have we got ourselves into? They were, they were disciples of Jesus. They were to, to become apostles. They were within the will of God, doing what he told them to do. What they didn't realize is the storm didn't mean they were wrong. It meant there was an opportunity for Jesus to show his unlimited power. So if you're struggling in your life, you feel like you're doing all the right stuff. And man, it's just no matter, even though I'm doing, I'm doing my best to follow God's will, but yet this happened and I don't deserve that. I don't be, I don't deserve to be treated this way. Then just realize that we need to have patient endurance to keep on keeping on and keep trusting and to keep believing and let Jesus come in and calm that storm in our life to walk out on the water to let us see something amazing happen in his presence that we wouldn't have seen if everything had always been easy. So stay faithful and patiently endure and just stick around to see if God doesn't bless that until then. Remember that God loves you that I love you and I hope you have a great day and please come back for episode 11. Episode 11.